Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to another episode of Biscuits. I'm going to say it's the 13th. I've I've lost track. I stopped. I stopped. I'm getting nods. I'm getting nods. We have, we have two producers today in the studio. We have Tim and Shamika. Shamika is an intern from where? What college? Stony Brook. They've been to the NCAA tournament more recently than Rutgers has, like every other college in the country. So screw Stony Brook. I hate Stony Brook now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyway, this is a hockey podcast, and it's called Biscuits. I'm Dave Lozo, and my partner up in uh, Canada. Hello, this is Sean McIndoe coming to you from the Vice Ottawa office in my dining room. <laughs> we got a lot of stuff to talk about today, don't we, Sean? We do. And in fact, let's start where we kind of left off last week, because you say it's not about you, but this actually is a little bit about you. Because It is, isn't it? A little bit. Because last week in the podcast, which we recorded on Thursday, came out on Friday morning, Friday evening, the NHL unveiled its long-awaited, heavily hyped top 100 players of all time list. And on that podcast uh, that came out before the NHL's list, you, you kind of had a scoop and you sort of spoiled the NHL's list because you uh, had... Uh, had figured out who was on it and who wasn't. And we had a conversation about that. Uh, so we should circle back. Were you correct on your uh, reporting? Again, I am right in my analysis, Sean. You nailed it. Um, nailed it. And the funny thing is, is nailing it, like after we did that podcast, like I noticed like people were like mad. They were like, they were like mad an extra seven hours in advance that Evgeny Malkin wasn't on the list. And I was noticing people that were like, please be wrong. Tell Dave to be wrong. Oh my God, Dave has to be wrong. If he's not wrong, I'm going to burn down stuff. And so I was just, I kind of felt bad actually. There was really no joy in me finding that out because I was just as mad as you were. Only I was mad probably 18 hours before you were mad seven hours before the show. But three Blackhawks, or three Blackhawks, Crosby, Ovechkin, and Yager were the six guys from today's NHL. Because as we all know, Blackhawks have three of the top 100 players in the league, and that's why they have 140 points already this season, because they're so good. And oh wait, no they don't. They actually have fewer points than the friggin' Minnesota Wild, because they're not three of the best 100 players of all time. We could seriously do an entire another show about all the snubs in the top 100, but um, I'm just going to say the Malkin one was the worst one, and then you can expound any way you want on that. I don't want to do a ton on this, because I feel like we've been talking about it for, for weeks now, which I guess is the whole reason that the NHL did something like this in the first place um but i'll just i'll, they got us. I'll reiterate what i said last week when you were were spoiling it in advance like that 
the the list overall was fine. I thought the list was was pretty good. There there were there were things I disagreed with, and as as people know by this point, uh, you and I actually put our own list together. We we sold it oh, as yeah, an ebook, right. and uh, you know, so anybody who anybody who who is listening to this saying, well, you know, could you do better? Yes, we absolutely could, uh, <laughs> and we did, and uh, and the list is out there. But overall, I mean, I I thought the the list was fine that the NHL came out with, except for the current players. I mean, it's just completely ridiculous. You've got the three Blackhawks, the three other obvious players, and then no Malkin, uh, no Joe Thornton, no Jerome McGinley, no. I, I mean, you could go down the list before you even got into the more you know, questionable picks that uh, uh, of, of younger guys that you know we can argue over whether they've they've done enough or not. Uh, and, and I guess the only explanation is we had all kind of assumed that the NHL was going to get feedback and input from around the hockey world and then would probably massage the final list, put their thumb on the scale a little bit and, and get something that worked for them from a marketing perspective. And apparently not, uh, I, nope. I, I guess they, they had this blue ribbon panel they they just got the votes, tallied them up, and then that was the list. And if the panel happened to be reluctant to choose guys from from today's era, even though we're constantly told by the league that today is that you know hockey has never been better and the players have never been better, uh, right? Apparently not, according to the the league's blue ribbon panel. And and like I, I'm all for I'm all for transparency and. and integrity and and all of that stuff but at some point like somebody should have come into the room and been like no we're take those five guys off put these five guys on and just say that that's how the vote turned out like how many guys would you say didn't belong on the list because i I would probably put it at like 10 i can't do them probably all top top of my head but taves kane oats newendike lamare ganey yeah um gartner see i probably 10 guys like i feel like there's 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 kind of two groups. Like there's guys that we didn't have on our list, but I'm fine with them being on the NHL. Like I mean, even Mike Gartner, guy had 700 goals. Like I I get it. Like I mean, at some point, I'm I'm more of a, you know, I want a guy who was great at his peak more than somebody who just piled up a lot of counting stats. But at some point, that pile gets so high that I don't I don't mind a guy with 700 goals being on there. I don't mind Adam Oates being on there. Um, Newendike was a was a strange one. Lemare was a strange one. Uh, I, I you know Mike Madano we've we've kind of covered. Mike Madano right is a guy. The 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 one that was really interesting to me was Bob Gainey because I you know yes great back checker great back great checker. defensive great. forward really yep. you know and in fact if, to listen to some people tell it not only. Uh, a great defensive forward, but the first great defensive forward and the guy who really defined the position and was almost kind of the reverse See, no, Bob Yore. No, but that's bullshit because the the idea that, that, that hockey existed for like 60 years and there was never a good defensive forward is just a nonsensical thing somebody made up because they were tired of writing about all of the really super good offensive Montreal Canadiens all those years. So they were like, let's give some credit to this one guy on the team who's also good at what he does. And, and somehow that's stuck. Like I saw Pierre Lebrun 
and you were going back and forth on Twitter that night, and he said, um, well, he should be on the list because they, they invented an award for him, the Selkie. Well, why don't they call it the Ganey then, if, yeah. if he was so good at it? Why, why, you know what I mean? Like the Vezina is called the Vezina because Vezina, George Vezina was, yeah. I don't know. I, and, I just, and Well, the, th- the thing with Ganey is, and like he, he was, his prime was in the late 70s, which is with before I came along as a, you know, as a hockey fan. And so I, I didn't really get to, to see him. So I kind of have to defer to others a little bit. The thing with him is you look at the numbers, this guy with something like 230 career goals, 500 points in a fairly long career over the seventies and eighties, like the greatest offensive era ever. I mean, this was a player who, who was basically close to being a non-factor in the other end. And it's it's odd to me that he makes the list while a guy like a Marion Hosa, who maybe uh. is not Bob Gainey in terms of his, you know, defensive dominance, but is a very good two way player and, 500 and has five hundred goals and a thousand uh. points and, and you know, other guys Rod Brindamore had like twelve hundred points and won two Selkies. And not only did he not make the list, he I guarantee you didn't even make anyone's conversation on the list and yet you know like when the list was being announced you know i was on twitter and just as it was kind of going through i just i posted a few observations and they were you know like oh i find this guy this guy and this guy a little strange i'm surprised they left off these guys bob gainey was the one that got the big reaction which surprised me and and it was you know it was funny it was like older media guys who had seen him play and i respect that i'll i'll, I'll take that feedback and then it was like other people telling me how great he was who were very like you could tell from their Twitter picture were like these are guys in their 20s, but who also never who never watched this guy play, but are just adamant uh, that not only did he belong, but that he was a total no brainer inclusion. How could you even question it? And as best I can figure, what this all comes down to is that at some point in the late 70s, somebody and it, depending on who's telling the story, that somebody changes. But somebody with the Russian program described Bob Ganey as the best player in the world. And I, I guess that just stuck. And we've all decided that Bob Ganey was such a dominant force, uh, which to me strikes me as funny because I, you know, I hear that and I'm just like, yeah, somebody on the Soviet team was like kind of having a joke at the <laughs> at, like, I'm pretty sure they weren't like, oh, boy, I. Bobby Orr, Wayne Gretzky, Guy Lafleur. These guys are these guys are nothing. It's Bob Gainey that really scares us. Okay, so no Thornton, no Lundqvist, no Aginla, and you're just like, well, you know what it is? No cups. Haven't won the cup. No cups. But then it's like, well, I feel like just because you have a bunch of cups, like just because like Jacques Lemaire was there and like coached forever and was a good coach too. Like I, I don't know. It's just. I feel like these, like Lemaire and Ganey, strike me as guys that got on the list because they were on the Canadiens and because they also had good posts. Well, I guess not Bob Ganey, but like they, they were also like in front office positions and yeah. coaching positions. Bob, yeah, Bob Ganey was Bob Ganey. I mean, he was with with Minnesota and Dallas, and yeah, I mean, clearly, mm. who you know was part of it, and clearly, like this is still a league that very much values cups. Even, I mean, Wayne Gretzky was was I don't I don't think he was on the panel but he had a comment where he said to me you can't be a great player if you never want to stand oh, fuck him he doesn't know what he's talking about yeah what is that guy ever done yeah. <laughs> but then how does Mike Gardner get on the list yeah Mike Gardner the, the Rangers traded Mike Gardner to win a cup in 1994 that's how they felt about Mike Gardner yeah 
there's just there's just no consistency. It is, it, yeah. And and not, I mean, if if we're gonna go to cups, then again, it, you bring it all back to Evgeny Malkin. Why why he's got two, including a that's Conn the Smythe. biggest oversight. It's not even close. Like that's the one that just makes the least sense. It's just. But apparently he's really hurt because he didn't play the first game after the break either. So I guess it wasn't a situation where he was like, I'm not going to go out there because I got bumped off the top 100 list and he just faked an injury because he didn't play the first game out of the break. So maybe that part I was wrong about. But as expected, I get to be that person on Twitter who can say as expected because I did expect it and I expected it out loud before it happened. As expected, Evgeny Malkin left off the top 100 list. As previously reported, everyone else who reported on that list should have had to say, like, I am yep. confirming the Dave Lozo report. Yes. John Hamm should have mentioned me during the show by name and called me out. By the way, one, <laughs> he one, one more thing. He would have got your name wrong. Th- yeah, I was going to say, one more thing before we move on. Why is it that? And that was a pretty decent show, the Friday show, I got to say. It, was it wasn't, fun. you know, John Legend. They brought out they brought out like a real musical person. They didn't bring out like five for fighting. Oh, they did bring out five for fighting. All right, that's a bad example. <laughs> they didn't bring out ex-ambassadors. They brought out John Legend. He did two songs. It was great. But why is it every host of every NHL thing has to get an NHL player's name wrong? I, I don't understand how that happens. Like, like, if you get like a team name wrong, like say you call them the Phoenix Coyotes, that's fine. I get it. But like... I, I just, I just, I, it's just I can't take it. I, I have a hard time watching anything hockey related anymore. Well, and and the worst part was, and, and like I, this I'm sure was completely coincidence. But he, when he got Alexander Ovechkin's name wrong, he oh, called yeah. him Sergey, which is a you know, <laughs> if if you're a hockey fan, that's kind of a typical Russian name, and you can understand why you might just you know have have a brain freeze and get it wrong totally but that's also the name <laughs> of alexander ovechkin's brother who passed away uh many years ago so wasn't good wasn't not good. really the the name you want to accidentally drop on someone as they're as they're sitting there but yeah i'd uh, like when jay moore when jay moore calls him nick lindstrom it's not like there's a hockey player named nick lindstrom who died like like when he was young it's just a mispronouncing your, but yeah sergey ovechkin that's that's an nhl broadcast for you my friend there you go you should get a different one in canada you should get you should get like some canadian person to host that's you know what the game and for the- years and years and years the nhl awards were just hosted by ron mcclain and he would just get up there and make terrible uh, dad joke puns and it was great <laughs> it was fantastic and we just uh i don't know we got away from that and it's it's never been the same i miss you ron Speaking of things that are terrible, um, St. Louis Blues. Yeah, and things that are not the same, because the, the St. Things Louis that are Blues not the same. have changed since we last spoke. The St. Louis, the St. Louis Blues waited um, one, uh, I want to say, about 19 months uh, too long to fire Ken Hitchcock, because they should have fired him at the end of the Minnesota playoff series in 2015 and chose not to, but then waited until this year when Jake Allen could not stop anything if his life depended on it. Doug Armstrong, as which is becoming like a trend in hockey too, where like a guy gets fired and like the GM gets up there and gets all mopey and weepy and sad, and it's like, buddy, this is this isn't this isn't you know show friends. This is show business. Like you shouldn't be this close to this guy. The fact that you're this close to the guy tells me that you waited too long to fire him in the first place. But um, I thought it was a good move. I thought it was overdue, and um, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I, guess, I mean, I guess the the timing makes sense as far as this season goes. I mean, the whole thing was yes. a weird situation because you're right. He was, we, we all kind of thought he was gone uh, after the Minnesota series. And then I think they brought him back on a one-year deal. Right. Which is, I mean, a giant flashing red flag <laughs> that says this guy is 
gone if we don't go deep into the playoffs. And then they did go deep in the playoffs. They went to the conference final and it was kind of like, well, we can't, you can't make a coaching change now. Wait a second. Wait a second. In Canada, do flags flash? Yes. Do you see the flashing red flags? Only I, I the giant read. red ones. God, you you have a better anthem and better flags. You got everything going on up there. It's better than America at this point. It's fantastic. <laughs> then this year, like the the whole weird thing where he was like, I'm coming back, but only for one year and hire my replacement now and have him stand right behind me at all times was just a little strange. But like, I thought when, when all that happened, I thought, okay, well, he's, he's going to stick around for the year then. They're, they're not good if if he's going to go off into the sunset at the end of the year they're not going to they're not going to ice him but i didn't figure that we'd be 50 games into the season and the blues would be on the verge of falling out of a playoff spot and and plunging so i guess i mean now's the time to do it cuz Doug Armstrong has got to figure out he's got 4 weeks to figure out what he's looking at as far as a team like he said at that press conference that he be- he believed going into the season that he had a Stanley Cup contender he was wrong. Well, he he better figure it out soon because if he still has a Stanley Cup contender, then he's he's got to get he's got to get going. And if he's got a Stanley Cup contender, except for the goaltending, then he better go out there and get a goaltender because contenders don't stay contenders very long, or at least they they don't necessarily, as teams like the Lightning and the Stars have shown us. And if he doesn't have a Stanley Cup contender, then start shipping some guys out and let's reload for for next time uh i i wrote a thing this week where i went through every gm in the league and i asked the question how much pressure are they under to do something in the next four weeks and doug armstrong was like near the very top of the list and this was before he fired ken hitchcock and now that he's done that and you know once if you're a gm on the hot seat and you play your coaching card now you know there's no question over who's going to be the next to go if it doesn't turn around so I, I think i mean he's would you agree that he is under a ton of pressure to get something done in the next four weeks and that standing pad is not an option here's the thing i don't think doug armstrong has done a bad job like i don't think it's a situation where like jack capuano gets fired and it's just like well what about guard snow like doug armstrong had some tough choices to make in the summer he was brian elliott or jake allen the jake allen thing has been a mistake again since going back to that 2015 minnesota wild series where jake allen just oh man was he so bad in that game six if you get a chance go watch go go watch highlights google um Justin Fontaine, uh, Game 6 goal, Blues, and Zach Parise, shorthanded goal, Game 6, Blues. And just watch those two goals. The best is the Justin Fontaine goal because they were down one nothing at the time. And on the bench, Brian Engelblom goes over to Ken Hitchcock and he goes, he goes, hey, you're down one nothing, but it seems like you're really getting some momentum going. And Ken Hitchcock's like, yeah, we're getting some shots. We just got to get one in the net here. Brian Engelblom goes, you ever think about pulling Jake Allen after that first goal? And he goes, no, he's a young kid. We got to just take the ups and downs. And literally 30 seconds later, Justin Fontaine fans on a wrist shot and it goes through his legs and he pulls him and it's two nothing. And the series is over because they don't come back at that point. It's two bad goals. But you look at the offseason. It, they, if everybody liked Jake Allen, they like Jake Allen. But they had to do something with their goaltending. They got something for Brian Elliott, which is fine. I have no problem with that. They kept Kevin Shattenkirk. They didn't say, hey, we're just going to take whatever we can get. We're, we're going to keep our defense intact because that's the backbone of our team. I just feel like if you're giving up 27 shots a night and on average 23 of them are going in, like that's not on the GM. I think he's built a really good team there. He's got a good back end. He's got a good group of depth forwards. David Backus leaving. I don't remember anybody complaining about David Backus is, you know, no. leaving in the summer. We all made that, fun of the that. Bruins for giving him yes, way too big of a contract. Exactly. So I don't really 
I don't really feel like he's under the gun. I know what you're saying, though, because if he felt like he had a cup contender before the season and now he's barely hanging on to a wild card spot or if he's just outside of a wild card spot, depending on when you're listening to this, I get it. But I don't feel like his job's in trouble. I do feel like if they're two points up on a wild card spot or two points out, I feel like Kevin Shattenkirk, they should get whatever they can for him because I don't feel like at this point because they have three really good right-handed defensemen. I feel like they can get by without Kevin Shattenkirk for the last yeah. six weeks of the season. So I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think he's on the hot seat, but what do I know? I, I only know about Evgeny Malkin. If you don't think you're going to win a cup, you've got to move Kevin Shattenkirk. 100%. You know, you, in any year, you'd say that because you don't want to let guys go for nothing if you're not if you don't feel like you're a contender if you're you know if it's like last year with the lightning and stamkos and you you think you got a cup team then go ahead and hold on to the guy but you don't do it with a, a kevin shattenkirk any year let alone this year where like there might be three sellers at the trade deadline and 27 buyers because everybody is so packed together and and so within range mm-hmm. of playoff spots i mean if you could drop a guy like this who's already going to be the best defenseman available let alone uh you know maybe the only one because uh, I mean Colorado sure doesn't have anyone that that people are going to go crazy over and Arizona isn't doesn't have anyone they're going to move uh, I mean you could you could hit a home run on that sort of sort of deal yeah I agree I think I think teams like St. Louis the Rangers the Flyers these teams that obviously have just way too many flaws to do anything in the playoffs and actually have some assets I think if I think if you're smart you don't wait until February 27th to pull the trigger. You get out in front of it. And if you can, you know, trade Shevin Shevin Kattenkirk, because I'm just going to call him Shevin Kattenkirk, (laughs) Kevin Shattenkirk. Um, Now, I think you do it. Because it's, again... Don't you want to see if they turn around? Like, I mean, what if they... What if Mike Yo comes in and he does to that team what Doug Waite appears to have done to the Islanders, who we all Mm. thought was the worst team in the league, two weeks ago and now they're right back in the playoffs yeah i know what you're saying and i think that's possible and i think the west is so weak that if the blues do get hot like that's what i mean though i i don't feel like having kevin shattenkirk or not is going to be the difference between them making or missing or anything like that i think they're good enough on the back end where they don't really you know you can have you can have colton pareko play 22 minutes instead of shattenkirk and you just have some other guy come in and be your sixth defenseman on the bottom pairing like that's not going to affect you in the regular season i don't think over six weeks and i don't think it's going to matter in the first couple of rounds i don't think the west is like honestly i i really do think it's going to be a king's blackhawks conference final again i think the kings are just gonna they're just gonna get it together they'll get john quick back the blackhawks are just good enough to be you know better than the wild and better than all the teams in their division i just yeah I would rather I, I I think you can trade Shattenkirk and trade maybe Berglund too, and still win around in that conference, and that's how I would look at it at this point. I would say you're, I would I would try to be honest with myself and say we're not a Stanley Cup contender. Yeah. Let's let me get any sort of future asset I can get for this expiring contract, and then go from there next season. And next season they'll still be fine too. And not only that, but I mean his at, at the press conference, the the other kind of remarkable thing about the the Ken Hitchcock press conference that. Uh, when Doug Armstrong was announcing the firing, other than the fact that he cried during it was the fact like he didn't really hold back on ripping his team as far as the, the effort level, the, mm-hmm. the, I mean, he, 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 he did not seem like a guy who was very happy with the group of players that, 
that he has. That seemed like a ploy, though, more than anything. It, it might seemed be. more like a ploy and more just because he was mad that he had to fire his sure. buddy as opposed to him actually being mad about his play, you know? It's Jake, it's, it's the goaltending more than anything. Well, and that's and that's the thing, right? Because, I mean, that is that is most of this, but goaltending is such a funny position, especially when you got a, a still a relatively young goaltender. Like, confidence plays so much into it that it's it's almost like you can't just say, like, look... Jake Allen's been terrible, and that's the reason Ken Hitchcock just got fired. But I don't know. Do you think Hitchcock gets works again? I didn't think he wanted to. Yeah. I thought I thought it's he was going to gonna tap out after this season either way. I mean, he can go to Vegas and coach there for the next six years if he wanted to, without question. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's he's instantly know. the best coach available on the market. And he had said, like, he, he going into this year, he made it sound like this is it. This and you know, he's like Ken Hitchcock is sixty five years old. He's he's been doing this for twenty years. But I, you know, I don't know if this is how you necessarily want to go out. Getting fired halfway through the year, he's one win behind Al Arbor on the all-time list. Yeah, I don't know. I could see him taking a year, but then maybe coming back. And if I, if I was a, not only should any team that has an opening have him at the top of the list, but I think there's a bunch of teams that don't have openings that should be willing to make one if if they thought Ken Hitchcock might be interested. Because he's a guy that... Like, this is the other thing with Ken Hitchcock. He's one of those guys, his reputation has always been that he he comes in, he fixes a whole lot of your problems, gives you a big boost in the standings, turns you into a contender, and you got about four years before his act is going to wear thin enough that the players tune him out and and want want him gone. Which is kind of like... Like, Pat Burns was the same way. There's been other coaches that are like that. And, you know, maybe I thought maybe he had mellowed as he went, but some of the things you're hearing out of St. Louis, maybe not. Nope. Um, But yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I jump on that. Well, let me ask you this. If they don't make the playoffs this year, do they, do you, or do they fire Doug Armstrong? I say no. It's it's always so hard to tell with GMs because 50% of it is just how close are you to the owner and, and all of that kind of behind the scenes dynamic. I don't think so. Um, and and I wouldn't because I think Doug, Ar- Doug Armstrong is one of the better GMs out there, uh, and I, I give him a chance to fix this. But I do, you know, if I'm a Blues fan, like if I'm a Blues fan, if Doug Armstrong says I think I have a Cup contender and I'm going to try to win a Stanley Cup this year, I trust him. And okay, go ahead. If he says this is not a Cup contender, we need to take a step back to take a step forward. I trust him. If he sits there, this press conference, fires his coach, and talks about how his team are a bunch of independent contractors and all this other stuff. And then he doesn't do anything. I start to wonder at that point, that's the, that's the part where I start to go, is this maybe not the front office we thought we had? I didn't like him disparaging the whole independent contractor thing. Isn't that what basically both of us are at this point in our lives? We're independent contractors, right? Selling to the highest bidder. Yeah. We're, 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 we're uh, we're mercenaries for for content. If you want to insult a bunch of professional athletes, comparing them to guys like you and me, I think it's pretty much the most. <laughs> that's the most devastating wake up call that <laughs> that you could deliver. I All think. right, so so we're 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 lukewarm, and we kind of love uh, Doug Armstrong. I'm going to give you five NHL general managers, and you're going to tell me whether or not they will be in that position to start next season. Okay, so you just ready? Just, ready just, just so I'm clear, I'm. I'm predicting what will happen, not necessarily yes. what I would do. Okay. Right off the bat, Jim Benning. Jim Benning. See there next year. 
start the season. You know what? I feel like he might be because I feel like they're going to hang around that playoff race just long enough that the... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Semi-delusional ownership and management group out in Vancouver is going to be like, oh, maybe we're on the right track. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say if, if they're where they are now in the standings, like if they miss the playoffs by three points, I think he's back. So like say, say they tank in the second half, not just tank, just, just lose. You then, that they finish 10 points back of the wild card spot. You think you, then, then I think it's in play. Yeah. I think, then I think there's a good chance that you, you, you've got the cover yeah. there to make a move. I do. I do feel like, I feel like they're going to fire the coach before they fire the GM, but I kind of, I kind of agree with your assessment. It kind of depends on the rest of the way, but I'll say, I'll say he's not there to start next season. I got a feeling. I got a feeling. All right, this one we've already talked about in the past, and if if you believe my, if you believe my reporting on this one, the answer is probably no. But Garth Snow, will Garth Snow be there to start next yeah, season? Yeah. See, I mean, I. It, you trust me? It, well, after last <laughs> week, I kind of have to, right? I mean, you're yeah. one for one. So well, budding um, Elliot Friedman. But uh, I mean, on merit, there's there's no way I, again unless they make a run and, and they are i mean if, if they make the playoffs or then then all bets are off um but no i mean to, to my mind that is a situation begging for a fresh start and i would i would be cleaning house and as they are like literally apparently in their arena is cleaning house by kicking them out <laughs> uh yeah i i've but then again maybe that's maybe that's a reason to keep them maybe that whole situation is such a mess that Nobody is going to want any piece of it. So I, I'm going to say he should be gone, but I'm going to trust Dave Lozo's rock-solid sources, and I'm going to say that yeah, he sticks around. I think he stays, too. I think if they, especially if they keep playing like the way they have, even if they miss the playoffs, if they finish with like a solid record in the last 30 games where they miss, maybe they say, oh, we, we, we fixed the problem. It was the coach. We don't got to worry about that anymore. I say he stays. This one, this one, feels, this one feels like a layup, but... Joe Sackick. Is he technically the GM or is he just the yeah. president? I feel like no, he's, I, think he he's, I think he is the GM now. Yeah, I get confused. And the uh, question with him is, like, can you fire Joe Sackick if you're the Colorado yes. Avalanche? Can you I'll fire? do it for them. I could be like, I'll, yeah. I'll be like George Clooney and up in the air. Like, I'll go out there with um, Anna, <laughs> Anna Kendrick and just, like, put the, put the portfolio in front of him and just be like, what have you always wanted to do with your life, Joe? I'm going to say that Joe Sackick is not the GM but he remains as like president or something because I don't think uh, they're going to do the. I mean, this this guy's your your legend, your your Stanley Cup hero. I I don't think you can fire him, like you know, leave him at the side of the road waiting for a cab. I think <laughs> I think you that move should be the new upstairs. way to fire everybody. It should be no 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 cabs no <laughs> nothing. You walk. Yeah. So I yeah I'm gonna say they do the same thing. The same thing Philadelphia did with Paul Holmgren, right? You you promote him. Uh, and hopefully it works out better than it did in, in Florida where 
the guy you promote still thinks he's the GM and hmm. still wants to tell everyone that he is. Like, I feel like if you're going to fire him, you have to do it before the trade deadline. Like, if you feel as though his incompetence has gotten you to this point yeah. where you're you're the second worst team points percentage wise in the last like 15 years or whatever you don't want to leave him in charge of the next decision that's going to you know set your franchise forth whether you trade duchene landeskog whatever yeah tyson barry like i feel like you have to kind of decide that in the next like week but then who do you how do you bring in a gm mid-season like yeah. who are the guys out there and and because the thing is with with colorado i think you know they'll trade a Ginla, they'll trade a couple other guys but i don't think they'll make the big moves the, the Matt Duchesne's and whoever else until the off season. So I, I think that, summer. you know, that gives you a chance to bring in someone. Everyone saves a little bit of face. Uh, and, and, you know, Joe Sackick moves upstairs and you, we, we pretend that he still has input, but we let the new guy <laughs> take over and, and make his splash. <laughs> He's just sitting in an office where like the phones aren't hooked up and yeah. he just has fake conversations. Exactly. Hey Patrick, it's Joe. How you doing? <laughs> how's, how's the fam? All right, how about Tim Murray? This one, this one, I, I, Tim's, Tim's I lean fine. towards. I think, I think he's fine, yeah. but I, I don't know. You're two years into the whole Jack Eichel thing. You're going to miss yeah. the playoffs again, probably. I sense a lot of frustration from Buffalo fans, but I also feel like a big chunk of it is they do attribute a lot of this season to the injuries at the in the first half, where they had a bunch yeah. of guys missing, and there is kind of this feeling that they didn't really get to see the team that they were supposed to get. I, I think Tim Murray's a year away uh, from the point where there there has to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of concern. But I think, and, and you know what, I'll tell you the other the other reason that I think he's he's probably safe. If, if you're the ownership group there, if you're the Pagoulas, do you really want to make a move and do another firing after the disaster you just went through with the Buffalo Bills where you're getting roasted? everywhere on the rex ryan thing and the way that you handled that <laughs> are you telling me you're gonna go and do it mm, again point. and the thing too is is like also like when it comes to coaches i feel like going into next season there's guys out there there's gallant now you have hitchcock there's options like gm wise like like what do you what do you base it on like yeah. kyle dubas there's um what's his name uh who i always forget he's always the assistant the pittsburgh jason botterill there's always like these EG, AGMs you always mm-hmm. hear about that are like the next, but like you don't know. Like you're, it's a tough. You'd rather kind of stick with yeah. what you know. And half the time, it's somebody like you didn't even know was. You're like, oh, yeah. that guy, oh, I, like Tom Curvers is a highly thought of <laughs> front office mind. I didn't know that, but yeah, there, there's guys out there. But you're not. You're right. You're not going to get a guy in mid February to to jump over. So yeah, I I I don't. I'm trying to think when do. What was the last GM to get fired in the middle of a season? Mm, it does happen, but Darcy Regeer was that in season or was that after? Yeah, the that was that was yeah that was in season because he had already done didn't mm. didn't he already do the Vanek trade? Yeah, I forget. There I forget the, I forget the sequence of events there that that broke that up. All right, last but certainly not least, Ken Holland, mm-hmm. Detroit Red Wings. Is he the GM of the Red Wings in 2017 18? <laughs> I get. going to give you easy ones. And you know what the funny thing is, like, it, and I think we've talked about this, like. Ken Holland is just outside of Detroit. Everybody views Ken Holland as just one of the very best GMs out there. Like his reputation is gold. You talk to Red Wing fans and they are so frustrated. And so, so many of them want new blood and a new vision and are so frustrated at, at Holland for the moves that he's made in the, the last few years. And I, I feel like that hasn't really, 
landed outside of Detroit. I, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to say it's, uh, it's, uh, it's the Sackett situation again. I think he's out of the job. I don't think he's fired. But I think he moves to some sort of senior advisory role and, and they bring in someone else, which will infuriate Red Wings fans because this is, remember, this organization had Jim Neal and Steve Eiserman in the front office at mm-hmm. one point. And there wasn't room. And so off they went. And, uh, to to go to other other franchises and now they're really I don't think there is anyone in Detroit that's viewed as like the like I don't think there's a succession plan in place but yeah I'm I'm gonna yep. I'm gonna say the same I'm gonna say not fired I don't think I fired any of your five but I'm gonna say not not the general manager of the Detroit Red Wings on opening night in their lovely new arena you just brought up a really good point about how they had Eiserman and Nil and they didn't give them the the job. It really reminds me of the Daily Show, where they had John Stewart there forever. He clearly had lost his fastball the last two years. They had they had John Oliver, they had Sam V, they had all these people there ready to take over Stephen Colbert, and they just waited too long. And now they have Trevor Noah, and everybody hates Trevor Noah. That's what it's going to be. The next guy they bring in is going to be the Trevor Noah of GMs. No one's going to watch. No one's going to care. And people are going to be like, "Man, look at Steve Eiserman on last week tonight on on HBO. He's like, look at Sam V, look at look at, look at Jim Nill on on TBS. It, that show is really funny." I, I hate the Red Wings now. I can't watch them anymore. But I, I, I say I say he's there next year. I, I really I think he should go. Yeah. But I think he's going to be there next year for all the reasons you said. Could be, could be. By the way, just to just to to double back, I'm I'm looking at a list. As best I can tell, the last GM to take over in the middle of the season was Tim Murray, January 2014. The only other time it's happened recently was Columbus when they made the switch. Remember, a couple weeks into the lockout season, uh, Scott House and yeah. went. And, Yarmo took weird. over. Yeah, that that was a weird one because he'd already like they'd done the Rick Nash trade and he got fired two weeks into the season and then he still got votes for GM of the year because because <laughs> that's because that's a wonderful <laughs> award that has a ton of integrity. What would you rather win, the GM of the year or the Mark Messier Leadership Award? <laughs> wow, I wonder if has anyone ever won both. I mean, somebody's going to eventually. Somebody will eventually because everyone who's a good leader gets. It's it's so weird how all the best minds to be gms just happen to be former star players all right we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take a break we're gonna we're gonna stop the show for a couple minutes because uh there's free pizza here in the vice office and and tim tim wants to get some i kind of just want to get a soda but uh we're just gonna get the pizza bring it right back so hang on a second and we're back the pizza break is over uh tim and shamika went with a pepperoni slice Shmiga also has some sort of uh, apple walnut situation happening on one of her pieces of pizza, and she loves it. I looked at it, and I couldn't believe it was real, but the kids today, the kids today like their pizza different than us olds, so um, to each their own is what I say when it comes to pizza. Um, what I don't say that to is um, Brad Marchand. I have feelings about Brad Marchand, Sean. Share your feelings. I want to share them. Um, I love the guy. I do. I think he's Good great. Player. 30, he's, a, he's a 35 goal guy all of a sudden now. He's he's super fast. He's fun to watch. Great, great hands. Great player, both ends of the ice. And for whatever reason, that seemed to coincide with him no longer being a piece of crap on the ice. He's no longer low bridging guys. Like he got suspended three times between uh, that Sammy Sallow undercut. He got suspended two more times after that. And then like 
he got suspended at the beginning of the 15-16 season, and since then, he'd been totally clean. He'd be, he's, he's, he's on pace for 33 or 34 goals this year. And in the last week, he's become a dick again, and I don't get why. Like he, he signed an eight-year extension that kicks in next year. That's going to pay him like fifty million bucks. Everybody knows he's a top-line, you know, top-line winger that could score a bunch of goals. And he's kicking out dudes' legs from behind now, like he's Zach Ronaldo. I don't get why he's doing that now. Why? Why? He, he's he's not. He shouldn't be that guy anymore. He's he's not. It, it just it makes me because yeah. I also feel like it's a situation too where maybe like he was that guy for so long and. Also, I think like two weeks ago, he had the. There's a guy on Twitter who like dropped a homophobic slur on him, and then like he like quote tweeted the guy and like rained hell down upon him. And they talked about it the next day about acceptance. Like it seemed like it was like, who is this yeah. guy? I love this Brad Marchand, but I feel like he got to the point where he was like, wait, everybody likes me too much. Let me, let me remind people that I can be a dick. And like now, two times in seven days, he's he's swept the leg. Like he's friggin' Ralph it's, it's weird because he like was it. always like when he first came in. He was just such an easy to hate player. Half, like 50% for the reasons you mentioned, and 50% because, like, let's just be honest, he's got the most punchable face in the NHL. Like, it's <laughs> per, like, there are just certain guys where you just, like, they just have that face, and they know it, right? And they just put their face in front of everyone, and it's like, oh man, I just want to smack this guy. <laughs> and, and he, and he, used it all perfectly and he was like one of those great agitator guys and and when whenever anybody plays like that fans from uh, like that team's fans will always tell you they're like no no this guy's a good player this you wait he's gonna be good and it almost never happens and for brad marchand it did happen like he he became he's one of the best wingers in the league i mean playing with Sidney crosby at uh at the world cup and and scoring key goals and and all of this stuff and yeah then for him to do it twice in the last week or two and basically yeah and 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 the weird thing is basically get away with it both times at least as far as suspensions that's the other thing though is like we had the player safety guys on the other podcast puck soup and we talked to them about how they don't suspend for tripping and it's like this weird sort of like circular argument where they they never suspended for tripping, so they're not going to. So there's that weird like precedence that they can't not right. follow or they have to follow, even though they're the ones that said it. But also it's because that, like that's how that's how the GMs sort of want it. They don't want like they're at the they're they're at the mercy of of what they can do in terms of what's what's asked of, of them by the board of governors and all that. And but it kind of makes sense because the tripping <sighs> is one of those. It's one of the few penalties in the rule book that there there's no major for, right? Like because. In theory, it's always a minor penalty. You know, it's like hooking. There's no five minutes for, for hooking. You're not supposed to do it. It's against the rule. There rule. should be, though. Well, but that's the thing. Like, when... <laughs> when it, and, and the other thing is, like, you know, people say, well, it's, you know, slew footing. But slew... Like, the league defines slew footing differently than what right. Brad Marchand did. Because what he did... And the one, I mean, to me, the, the particularly bad one... Was, was against Detroit, where, I mean, he just skates up and just kicks the guy's legs out from under him, from behind. But according to the league, as as I understand their definition, it's not a slew foot unless you also have the top half mm-hmm. of the combination, where you've got, usually it's the arm across the chest and you kind of drive the guy back at the same time that you, that you kick the legs out, uh, which seems like a weird distinction because the 
the end result is still the same. You got a situation where a guy's head could crack off the ice, and you know that can be it, like it, it's it's strange to me that we treat those sorts of plays where you you know go up to a guy who doesn't even know you're there and kick his legs out the same as a guy who's got the puck and you're chasing him and you you know you get your stick in between his skates and bring him down like that it seems like a very different type of penalty it's also like the cousin of kneeing because just because you're not going knee on knee if you're going knee on the back of the knee like that's still kind of kneeing you're still kneeing a guy to the ice you're using your knee to take him down you can still do damage that way if the guy's leg is yeah. it gets like just, it feels like at it some point someone's so going to get hurt, like badly hurt on one of these, and and then yeah, th- then everyone will go okay, we got to change. But I mean, I'm I'm always sympathetic to the uh, to the the player safety guys because they, you know, they're not some independent watchdog. They report to the they owners, they report to the GMs, and they you know, suspend and then don't suspend based on the guidelines they're given. Um, but yeah, it was, and, and then to see it happen again a week later, I think most people, you know, like when, when you get a fine from the department of player safety, that's kind of their way of saying like, all right, knock, knock it. Like, really, this is kind of the, Come on. this is the final warning before, you know, we're, we're going to start cracking down. And then to see him do it again, you kind of thought, okay, now here it comes. Now he's going to get the book thrown at him. And he's gonna he's gonna be sitting out multiple games, um, but again, that's that's not the way player safety works. Is it's it's a two part process. It's you know first they figure out is this guy guilty, and then they hand out the sentence. And if the, your previous record doesn't factor into them determining guilt or innocence, and obviously they felt like that that second play uh, against against Strawman didn't rise to the same level where it was but why but why like what was different about it like it was the same like he the way i saw it was it was the same exact play but like he he hit it a little better yeah. but it was still obvious what he did like he didn't wasn't the an difference accident. is that i guess the in the second one he's he changes direction right before like he's turning and it so you know whereas in in the the the, the first hit he's i mean he's skating right at the guy the whole way there's there's none of you can't say oh i didn't see him whereas i guess when you're just turning but somebody made a good point on i I saw on twitter i can't remember who it was but you know somebody said like if you accidentally collide with somebody you tend to look back and and, you know that it's just if if something surprises you you look back to see what 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 just happened and he didn't he he clips the guy clips the legs out from under the guy and just keeps going as if he knows exactly what what he just did so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I really thought that was going to be the one where he was going to be missing three or four games. And I'm sure, I mean, the yeah. Bruins would have been screaming about it because they, they, you know, he's arguably their their best forward uh, this year and, and they're fighting for their playoff lives. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was going to be it, but I guess not. My thing is just don't, you don't have to do it. You're Brad Marchand. You're, you're not, you're not Brad Marchand. You're not Brad Marchand anymore. You're Brad Marchand. You're, you're the, you're the guy who's going to be, on every he, like he'll be on the next Olympic team, assuming they go to the Olympics. Like he's he's that good mm-hmm. at this point. He doesn't need to be the rat dude. Like you want to get in goalies' faces and mess with guys after plays and stuff to get like it's fine. Don't take out guys' legs when they're not looking. Like this, yeah, it, this is the one thing where like I really like the the Department of Player Safety when they put the videos out, and every now and then they'll put a video out when they don't suspend. And I feel like this would have been a good time to do it yeah because they would have had no they would have had no way to explain it other than we don't think he did it well the the other thing is and you know i and i've heard i've heard 
the the player safety guys say this before is that not everything that isn't clean is a suspension. It is possible to look at a play and say, yeah, that should have been tripping. That should have been a penalty, but it doesn't rise to the level of a suspension. And, you know, maybe that's it. And maybe that's why you don't do a video because that, uh, I mean, that's a tough message to deliver yeah. and say, you know, this, <laughs> you know, what he did was wrong and dirty in the sense that it went against the rule book, but not dirty enough for, for a suspension. But yeah, I mean, I, I hopefully this is the last we're talking about it because I, I have a feeling if, if you know if it happens again you you got to think yeah you got to think the crackdown will be coming but i don't know i would have said that last time too maybe you never know let's go right into the the reader questions because this one's topical it's from q q sally 37 says what's more terrifying a team of marshan sized adeno charas or is adeno chara sized marshan you see to me a adeno chara sized marshan would be fine because he'd be too tall yeah. to go low like he suddenly he'd be throwing clean hits He'd be like going low, <laughs> but instead he would just be like hitting guys hip to hip and and sending them flying. Whereas, yeah, a whole bunch, I yeah. I wonder if the, I, wait. I wonder if I wonder if they meant a team of Marshan sized Adano Charas or is Adano Chara sized team of Marshans. Hmm. I don't know. We might need might need clarification on that. But I don't know. I don't want. Yeah. I always feel like Adano Chara. I feel like could just literally destroy people when it came when it came to fights and i feel like he never does because in the back of his mind he's like ah i'm like six nine i can't pummel yeah. this guy half my size it'll look terrible and if he was i don't want to go yeah, to prison if he was five nine but still had like chara strength i think he'd, he'd basically be like taidomi <laughs> right he'd be like i can just hit this guy as many times as i want nobody's gonna say anything so like no it would be like it would be like bizarro superman if it was a marshan if it was a chara size marshan if he was like big and evil yes like he would take out he would still take out guys but he'd take him out with the force of zidane chara we can't have that our next question is from Modest Fiasco. Goes by Aaron Steinbauer on Twitter. I believe his real name is Aaron Steinbauer. His real name probably isn't Modest Fiasco. Uh, he wants to know what's the most overrated American thing and the most overrated Canadian thing and the most overrated American thing is In and Out Burger. Ooh. It's not good. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a scam. It's a sucker thing for Easter Coast people to go out there and take photos of their food and be like In and Out Burger. Five Guys is better. Any burger you make at home is better. Yeah, that's right, Shamika. I said it. Five Guys is better. Best burger. Best burger. In and Out is average. People in California who live by them don't go to them because they know it's not good. That is by far the most overrated American thing. I went after after our Constitution. I'll say. <laughs> so the most that's the most overrated thing that will still exist in three months is In and Out. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, you know what I went, when I was in California for the Dodger stadium game, I got like some of the locals like took me to in and out. It was, it was good. You know, like it, it was good. Okay. I don't know if it was worth waiting in line 45 minutes and then feeling like an idiot. Cause I didn't know the code words, you know? And I'm just like, can I have a hamburger? And the guy's like looking at me like, yeah. And I, I didn't know that I was supposed to. <laughs> so it was, it was a little bit confusing for me. Cause it was like, it was like 1130 at night and there was like a traffic jam going all the way down the street just from the drive through with like cops directing traffic and, and stuff like that. It was, it was nuts. And then, it, yeah, the burger was, it was, it was good. It was, it was fine. Uh, the most overrated Canadian thing. Uh, I don't, I mean, I know what I want to say, but I don't know if I can say it out loud because I'm going to. The Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> That's the second most <laughs> The most overrated Canadian thing is poutine. That's what I was going to say. I'm so glad you said it. It's it's good. Yeah, it's better it's better than 90% in and out. 90% of it is like french fries and gravy are good. P- 
putting like squeaky cheese on top is like <laughs> marginally like it's it, it improves it slightly. It's it's fine, but we act like I mean we've just like it's it's this masterpiece, and then we get really mad when Americans try to do it, but they do it slightly differently. And it's uh, it's it's fine, but you know if if you just got French fries with with hot gravy on them, like you're 95 percent of the way there. That's that's I'm so glad you said it. I was afraid to say it because I thought like that I would get attacked on Twitter by the. I'm Canadian still like 70 percent sure I'm going to make Tim cut this part out, and there's just going to be like <laughs> dead. There's just going to be like it's just going to be bleeped out, and then people are going to be like, "What did he say?" Okay, this D- DJ Mitchell, DJ Mitchell 94 wants to know. If you have two hours to live and possibly change, what movie are you going to watch before you die? I feel like this is more in your territory because I've seen like eight movies in my life. What's the last movie you saw in the theaters? Uh, some it would be some kids movie, the one with the singing animals. I think the last Sing? yes, that's the one. I think the last <laughs> non kids movie that I saw in the theater was probably Star Wars, but not the last Star Wars, like the one before that, The Force Awakens. Yeah, don't which is like a year and a half ago, terrible. so that gives you an idea of how often my wife and I get yeah. out. Um, but my answer would be The Fugitive. I think that's my all-time my favorite movie. I was ooh, that a that and A Few Good Men, but I don't think I think A Few Good Men goes over the two-hour mark. So those are like my two movies that I can watch. Like if they're on TV, I watch them every time. If it was right now, I'd say The Nice Guys, only because I've only seen it twice on HBO, and I've I've like I'd say The Martian. I like that movie better, but I've seen it sixty-seven times. I don't need to see it a sixty-eighth before I die. But I would like to see The Nice Guys one more time. It was a good movie. But um, this is where we got to wrap it up because we're now doing the thing advice where people walk by the office and glare at, glare in at me because they want Tell the room them there's because pizza they booked it at 2 o'clock. Third floor and, and a puppy and they'll go, <laughs> get them out of here. Pizza and a puppy on 3C. We, got, we, have, we have a lot more to do. Actually, we really don't. We've, we've, we've hit on everything. This has been a comprehensive uh, podcast. But um, check us out on iTunes. Give us five-star ratings. Say nice things in the comments because people apparently care about that sort of stuff. Not me. I'm I'm a I'm a lone wolf. You know, I just do this for myself. I'm not desperate for attention or anything like that. Uh, we got our book, 100 NHL something or other. Just type in on 100 NHL on Amazon, it'll eventually come up. Uh, Vice, the comeback, Up Rocks, and that's all my stuff. Sean, say goodbye and, and plug yourself yep. and sell check me out on Sportsnet. Uh, the hockey news had kind of a fun piece this week where we're arguing over which teams which teams had the best like team position combo at every position of all time and that ended up turning into a fun debate so go check that out and on if you're hearing this on friday i'm on vice sports with the friday nhl grab bag so go check that out too all right that's all we got thanks to tim thanks to shamika whose whose feedback while we were saying stuff was very helpful she was either making faces that were good or bad so we know which parts were good or bad and uh, that's it thanks for listening thanks for reading and we'll be back next week unless we are cancelled for some reason and you never know this is, a, this is a cutthroat business see ya Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.